Lord, I pray for the word this morning. God, that this word would just ignite a fire within each person that's here. Lord, whoever, whoever is able to hear this over podcast, Lord, that I pray right now in Jesus' name that your Holy Spirit would just, just take over this message. Lord, I pray that everything that I say would be your words. Not my words, but your words. Not my thoughts, but your thoughts. That your holy presence would be lifted up. That Jesus would be glorified for we worship and praise a risen Lord this morning. Lord, we thank you and praise you that you have risen from the grave. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I'm excited to be able to minister with you this morning. This is, my wife put it on Facebook this morning, but that's okay. Uh, This is my first Easter message. Don't be afraid. I want to speak to you this morning. This today is Easter. Amen. How many are excited? How many got how many got ham in the oven right now? Boy, hands went up, man. <laughs> you got ham in the oven. You got what crescent rolls and mashed potatoes and butter and Rhonda. How big is that ham? <laughs> she was like making a it's this big. Yeah, ham in the oven. That's all right. We got ham in the oven, we got crescent rolls, we got butter and mashed potatoes and all the good things about Easter, right? What? (laughs) Oh, well. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. People are going to start leaving like, got to get to the ham. And we love Easter. We love bringing family together and having a great meal. and, And we worship a risen Savior this morning. Amen? We celebrate a risen Savior. It is the reason for our celebration. It's the reason for our jubilee. See, I want to talk to you this morning about Easter. I want to talk to you about the resurrection, of course. But I don't just want to talk to you about that. I want to talk to you about the cross this morning. And now the cross, you know, we have a cross over here. It was set up. It it, it looks very nice. And the cross has become the symbol of our faith. The cross, people wear it around their necks. I mean, we, we see it in churches. People, people have it in their, on their jewelry. It's a sign to strangers and, and loved ones that you're a follower of Christ. People have that. The cross is not difficult to believe. The cross is not difficult to believe. We know that the cross, even though we, we know that Christ was crucified, we know other people were crucified as well. We know through history that other people were killed on a cross. To believe that Jesus died is very simple. To believe that he died is simple. To believe that he died on a cross is simple because we know that people died on crosses back then. But do you believe that he rose from the dead? I know the cross is the symbol of our faith. I know it is, and and I love the cross. Listen, I love the cross. I love what it stands for. The old, rugged, dirty, bloody cross. I love what it stands for. He took my sin and laid it on the cross. He took your sin. I cherish the old, rugged cross where my burdens at last I lay down. 
I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. It's not, it's not difficult to believe in the cross. But the hallmark of the Christian faith, listen, when I say listen, I just mean hear me. Remember what I said. It's not a scolding. The hallmark of our Christian faith is not encompassed in a cross. I love the cross. But the hallmark of our faith, the the symbol of our faith is not a cross. The symbol of our faith is an empty tomb. The symbol of our faith, we, we don't worship a dead man this morning. There's no grave there. There's no body in that grave. We don't worship Buddha. We don't worship Muhammad. We worship Jesus Christ, the one and risen Savior. Amen? Our faith, our sim- the symbol of our faith cannot just be a cross. The cross is easy to believe. But it doesn't sustain my faith. My faith is sustained by an empty tomb. You know, all the disciples saw the cross. Did you know all the disciples saw the cross? Luke 23 says that all of his acquaintances stood at a distance watching these things. They saw him die on a bloody cross. They saw him die, and and what happened? They didn't see him die on the cross, and because now they had the cross, they went and began proclaiming the name of Jesus. No. They saw him die on a bloody, dirty cross. And their hope was lost. Their hope was lost. Can you imagine the despair they felt. Can you imagine whether they were up close or watching from a distance, they were seeing their Savior. They were seeing their Messiah. They were seeing their leader. They had followed him for three years. They'd watched him heal people. They'd watched him exercise demons from people. They'd watched the dead come back to life. And yet their Savior was hanging on a cross. And as he gave his last breath, I imagine that their despair began to sink in. I'm guessing the Friday that they had was a bad Friday. Somebody somebody wants to preach this morning. Somebody, they had a bad Friday. On that Friday... Boy, I'll tell you what, on that Friday, the depression had started to set in. They saw their Savior hanging. They saw the blood dripping. They saw his body broken. The the depression had started to set in. Their leader that they had been following was gone. Now what? Do I go back to fishing? Do I go back to my trade? I followed my leader, and my leader is gone. It's Friday. But Sunday's coming. (laughs) It's Friday. Come on. But Sunday's coming. There's someone who can preach this a whole lot better than me. 
It's Friday. Jesus is praying. Peter is asleep. Judas is betraying. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday. Pilate's struggling. The council is conspiring. The crowd is vilifying. They don't even know that Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are running like sheep without a shepherd. Mary's crying. Peter is denying. But they don't know that Sundays are coming. It's Friday. The Romans beat my Jesus. They robe him in scar. They crown him with thorns. But they don't know that Sundays come. It's Friday. See Jesus walking to Calvary. His blood dripping. His body stumbling. And his spirit's burdened. But you see, it's only Friday. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The world's winning. People are sinning. And evil's grinning. It's Friday. The soldiers nailed my Savior's hands to the cross. They nailed my Savior's feet to the cross. And then they raised him up next to criminals. It's Friday. But let me tell you something. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are questioning what has happened to their king. And the Pharisees are celebrating that their scheming has been achieved. But they don't know. It's only Friday. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. He's hanging on the cross, feeling forsaken by his father, left alone and dying. Can nobody save him? Oh, it's Friday. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday, the earth trembles, the sky grows dark, my king yields his spirit. It's Friday, hope is lost, death has won, sin has conquered, and Satan's just a laugh. It's Friday. Jesus is buried. A soldier stands guard, and a rock is rolled into place. But it's Friday. It is only Friday. Sunday is a coming. It's Friday. But Sunday is coming. Amen. It used to be Friday. It used to be Friday. The despair and depression had set in. How, how many know there's some days that it feels like Friday? But Sunday's coming. Luke, in chapter 24, verse 1, says this. This is just after the crucifixion. This is Sunday. 
This is Easter. This is the reason we celebrate. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone had been rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. Their fright, in their fright, the women bowed down to their faces to the ground, but the, women said, or the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Keep going. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself, what happened? It was Friday, and Sunday came. It was Friday. It was Friday, but Sunday came. Amen? It was Friday, but Sunday came. This is why we're here. As much as I love the ham dinner, it's not about ham. It's not about Easter eggs and bunny, you know, Bugs Bunny. Bugs Bunny. Bunnies. It's not about those things. Those are fun things. We can have fun with those things. That's okay. But that's not the reason we celebrate this morning. The reason we celebrate this morning is because we serve a risen king. The reason we celebrate this morning is because we serve a resurrected king. That's the reason we celebrate. So now, after the resurrection, we come to a teaching of Paul. Paul is speaking to the Corinthian church. And as he's speaking, he says this. We, we observe here what he's preaching. Because he's preaching to those who are in opposition to Christianity. In fact, the ones who are in opposition are denying the resurrection. The resurrection has happened. It's what we celebrate. It's what we, li- it's what we love. But in opposition to it, people were denying it. And so Paul says this to the Corinthian church, 15, verse 12 through 17, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But if he did not raise Christ from the dead, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Boy, I tell you, that's not a very uplifting message. It's not. It's, it's not a very uplifting message. It's, boy, if, if Christ hasn't been raised, 
Your faith is futile, and you were lost in your sins. That doesn't make me feel all nice and gooey inside. Does it make you feel good to know that if Christ has not been raised from the dead, you were lost in your sins? But we believe in a resurrection this morning. Paul here is proclaiming the news of the resurrection of Jesus and how it satisfies our deepest needs and longings. In doing this, he's not putting us at the center. He's putting Christ at the center. In our culture, we have a habit of taking Christ out of the center and putting ourselves in the center. Paul does not do that here. And I want to cover just a few things about the verses. Verse 14. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. Now, i got to be honest, that kind of has a negative connotation to it. So let's put a different spin on it this morning, shall we? Let's just, let's just put a different spin on it. Instead of saying our faith is in vain or useless, we can say that because of the resurrection, our faith is well-founded. That because of the resurrection, our faith is well-founded. Or to put it more personally, because of the resurrection of Jesus, there is someone I can absolutely trust in. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, there is someone you can absolutely trust in. You say, Pastor David, you don't know my neighbors. You don't know my friends. With friends like these, I don't need enemies. You don't know. I can't trust anybody. You can trust in Jesus. I can't trust in anybody. Everybody that's ever come around me has failed me, has hurt me, has abused me. I can't trust them. You can trust in my resurrected king. You can trust in my Jesus. Verse 14, and if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. But since Christ has been raised... Our preaching is not useless. Verse 15, the second one, says this, More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. That means we're lying about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ Christ from the dead. But if he or God did not raise Christ from the dead, if he did not raise him, if in fact the dead are not raised. Do we believe that God raised him from the dead this morning? Do we believe that? But they they were coming in opposition to that. They were saying there's no way this could have taken place. So instead of saying the apostles are not false witnesses about the work of God, we can say this. Because of the resurrection, the apostles preach what they know to be true. Because of the resurrection, the apostles preach what they know to be true. They are not false witnesses of God. Everything they say is true. But the evidence for this lies in a few things. There there has to be evidence for it. You see, there's a fantastic book by Josh McDowell called Evidence That Demands a Verdict. And he 
lays out who Christ was and his resurrection and, and lays out the evidence for it. There is some specific evidence that Christ had been raised from the dead. The first evidence that Christ has been raised from the dead was his disciples. You have to understand that after the cross, in their depression and despair, they were not shouting the name of Jesus. They were not proclaiming him to be a risen king on Friday. They were not proclaiming him to be the Lord of Lords on Friday. But on Sunday, after the resurrection, that is when they were pushed into ministry. That is when they were pushed into being witnesses for him. That was the beginning. They were persecuted. They were tortured. In many cases, the disciples died for their faith. You wouldn't do this for a dead man. I wouldn't do this for a dead man. The disciples wouldn't do this if it was just some common trickery. The disciples wouldn't go this far if it was just a hoax, if it was just a trick, if the grave, if there was a body in the grave and they took it and stole it and tricked everybody, why would they go to the grave? There is evidence. You have to keep in mind that Christianity wasn't an easy road for them. There's a church historian, his name is Eusebius. And he gives the accounts of the early church leaders. I want you to listen to this. And if there's younger children here or those who are sensitive to this, I apologize. But this is what happened. Matthew, a disciple of Jesus, was suffered martyrdom in Ethiopia. What does that mean? He was killed for his faith. He was killed by a sword. Mark died in Alexandria, Egypt, after being dragged by horses through the streets until he was dead. Luke was hung in Greece as a result of his tremendous preaching to the lost. Peter was crucified upside down because he told his tormentors that he felt unworthy to die in the same way that Jesus Christ had. James, the leader of the church in Jerusalem, was thrown from 100 feet down from the pinnacle of the temple where he refused to deny his faith in Christ. 100 feet down, he was thrown. And when it was discovered that he was still alive, they took a club to him and beat him to death. Andrew was crucified on an X-shaped cross in Greece. After being whipped severely by seven soldiers, they tied his body to the cross with cords to prolong his agony. His followers reported that, listen to this, when he was led toward the cross, he saluted it with these words, I have long desired and expected this happy hour. I have long expected and desired this happy hour. The cross has been consecrated by the body of Christ hanging on it. 
he continued preaching on the cross for two days until his body expired. John faced martyrdom when he was boiled in a vat of oil during a wave of persecution in Rome. However, he was miraculously saved from this. He was then sentenced to the mines on the prison in the island of Patmos. He wrote the book of Revelation on Patmos. He was later freed and returned to serve as a bishop in modern Turkey. He's the only apostle to die peacefully as an old man. This was not the faith of con men and cowards, but a faith of the courageous. My question to you this morning is very simple. We celebrate a risen Christ. We celebrate a resurrected king. We are witnesses of him. What if the same was expected of you? Well, Mike, thanks for coming to the Lord, brother. I'm glad you came up and gave your life to Christ this morning. By the way, just so you know, I mean, just in case you, you might wonder about this, there's a good chance you could be dragged by horses to your death. Doreen, we thank you so much for coming and, and inviting Christ into your life this morning. But just so you know, there's a good chance that you're going to be hanging on a cross by the end of your life. This was not the faith of con men and cowards. This was the faith of the courageous. History reveals that not one of these men who knew Jesus personally ever denied their testimony about him despite the threat and reality of imminent death. Of course, this shows the evidence to a fair-minded observer that these men possessed an absolutely unshakable personal knowledge about the truth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is evidence, and it demands a verdict. Of course, the, res the evidence of the resurrection doesn't just lie with his disciples. It doesn't just lie with those close to him. The Bible says that there were 500 witnesses to him being alive after his death and ascending to heaven. And of course, the skeptic, we have to talk about the skeptic, because the skeptic would say, well, those must have been close friends and family, and they could have lied. And that's true. Does that surprise you? That's true. It could have been one massive conspiracy. It could have been all of his friends and loved ones. Let's just push on the name of Jesus. And that would have, that would have been interesting. It could have been one massive conspiracy. If not for a man named Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus was a man that no one would have ever called a follower or a lover of Jesus. Saul of Tarsus, in fact, hated Christians. He was killing Christians. 
His job was to root out and kill the followers of this Christ. For him, it was a life-shattering experience when he experienced the resurrected Christ. For him, it was a life-altering, life-shattering experience when he experienced the resurrected Christ And although at the time he wasn't a disciple, he later became the Apostle Paul and one of the greatest witnesses for the truth of the resurrection. Lastly, verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. I want to say this a little bit of a different way this morning. Instead of saying that we are be still in our sins, another way is saying this, that because of the resurrection, because of the resurrection, we are forgiven for our sins. Because of the resurrection, we are forgiven for our sins. This is the basic need. This is the basic longing of our hearts. Everything hangs on the resurrection. Our forgiveness hangs on the resurrection. The foundation for every other blessing. To be forgiven of my sin. I've sinned. You've sinned. We've all sinned. This is a crime we've all committed. This is is a, a, a sentence for all of us. We all need it to be gone. We all need sin to be washed away. I've sinned. You've sinned. Sin is a reality in this world. And the foundation of our faith is that our sins are washed away. My hope lies in this. Because if my sins are are not washed away, then all that I am preaching is useless. My faith is is futile. If my sins aren't washed away, then what's the point? If my sins aren't washed away, then we're just coming to a building and hanging out for a couple hours. If my sins aren't washed away. The foundation for every blessing from God is simply this. God will not hold your sins against you. Forgiveness tells us that God will not hold your sins against you. How is the resurrection connected to our forgiveness? 1 Corinthians 15 talks, the death of Christ takes away our sin because he bore our sins and took our judgment. That's 1 Corinthians 15. He he did. He did that on the cross. But the connection with the resurrection is very important. Romans 4 and verse 25 says this. He was handed over to death on account of our transgressions. And he was raised on account of our justification. This means that by his death, he paid the penalty for our sins and purchased, purchased our acquittal. Our justification, he purchased our forgiveness. And since the achievement of the cross was so complete and the work of our justification was so decisive, God raised Jesus from the dead to do three things. He came to validate our forgiveness. Number one. 
Number two, he came to vindicate his son's righteousness. And number three, he came to celebrate the work of justification. You say, what does all that mean? Validate our forgiveness. It is real. Our forgiveness is true. Our forgiveness is valid. Once we ask Christ into our life, we become a follower of him. The blood has washed away my sins. There's nothing like the blood of Jesus this morning. He vindicates his son's righteousness. His son lived a sinless life. It wasn't until he was on the cross that sin was laid on him. He was righteous. And because of his righteousness, we no longer have to live in unrighteousness. And he came to celebrate the work of justification. Justification. The work of the cross partnered with the resurrection gives you the promise that your sins are washed away. When we accept the resurrected king into our hearts and choose to follow him, we are justified. Remember what I talked about that. Justified means just if I'd never sinned. Justified. He washed my sins away. Justified, never sinned. My forgiveness has been validated. His righteousness has been vindicated. My sin being washed away has been celebrated. I I like what Luke 15 says. Jenny, if you want to come up. My Bible says in Luke 15 that when a sinner repents, the angels rejoice. That when a sinner repents, the angels rejoice. I want to tell you something in case you didn't know this. When a sinner repents, the angels rejoice. Through the cross and through the resurrection, my faith has been validated, vindicated, and celebrated. For you this morning, if you believe in Jesus Christ, I need you to hear this very clearly. Your faith has been validated, vindicated, and celebrated. That when you came to Christ, there was a giant party in heaven for you. When you came to Christ, there was a, the angels began rejoicing. All of this is because we worship a resurrected king. We don't serve a dead man this morning. We don't serve a dead man. We serve a resurrected king. Amen. You are no longer, listen, there's no need for you to be dead in your sins. There's no need for you to be dead in your sins. I know there's new faces here and there's some old faces here. But on Easter Sunday, 2016, I need for you to make a decision. The decision is simply this, one of two things. 
I either accept him or I reject him. To accept him means you've been vindicated, validated, and celebrated. You may say, Pastor David, I'm here this morning and I know I'm a sinner. I am a sinner. I have never prayed the prayer of salvation. Pastor David, I have never prayed the prayer of salvation. I've never asked Jesus Christ to come into my life. I've never truly made him Lord of my life. I've never given him rule and reign over my heart and my thoughts and my actions. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, Pastor David, why do you ask people to do that? Just for some privacy. Just to give you a moment. Just between you and God. Just between you and God. Just just search your heart. On this Easter Sunday, on two, in 2016, you would say, Pastor David, I need to know this Jesus. I need to ask him into my heart. I am a sinner in need of forgiveness. And I have never prayed the prayer of salvation. If that's you this morning, go ahead and raise your hand. You want to know something? Everyone open your eyes. The angels are rejoicing this morning. There are hands that went up for salvation this morning. The angels are rejoicing this morning. The angels are celebrating this morning. There is a party in heaven this morning because someone made a life-altering decision to accept Christ. Give them a hand. 